recent experiences as a family member or a friend of patients hospitalized with infections. And something that really struck me was the limited communication about antimicrobial therapy to the patients themselves and to the family members. In addition, if you've been following on LinkedIn, we had a recent poll asking if doctors communicated antimicrobial therapy appropriately. Shockingly, 84% of our respondents answered no. What's even more interesting was that most of the respondents were in the medical field themselves. Now, when it comes to tackling antimicrobial resistance, the very first objective of the WHO's Global Action Plan on Antimicrobial Resistance is education. And education regarding antimicrobial therapy includes educating the general public and patients. So this episode of Micromail is not only for clinicians and students, but also for nurses, pharmacists, patients, family members of patients, and the general public. This is Micromail, and I'm your host, Vindana Chibabai, and I'm joined today again by my trusty co-host, Ruan. How are you doing today, Ruan? Hi, I'm doing well. Today, I am the voice of ChatGPT. <laughs> Revealing our secret already. <laughs> oh. I'm sure the the listeners won't mind. (laughs) Yeah, so today we're definitely talking communication of antimicrobial therapy. And to steer from any potential bias that a clinician or patient might have, we're having this conversation with artificial intelligence. And as Ruan said, our guest today is ChatGPT. So we're going to have some questions and answers. I'm going to be the host for today. And Ruan is going to be the voice of ChatGPT, as he said. So all the answers that Ruan's going to be giving are directly from ChatGPT. We haven't altered anything really. Um, But do listen all the way to the end of the episode, because both of us are going to have a quick debriefing of this artificial intelligence answers to today's theme. So a couple of quick reminders. Remember to sign up for updates on the MicroMail website. Follow us on your favorite podcast player as well as on social media platforms. And please don't forget to give us that five-star rating. So if we're both ready, Ruan, you ready to go? Good to go. Awesome. Let's go ahead and chat to chat GPT. Hi, chat GPT. Thanks for joining me as a guest on MicroMail Podcast. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be a guest on MicroMail Podcast. I'm excited to discuss and share insights and various topics related to microbiology, infectious diseases, and antimicrobial therapy. Please let me know if there's anything specific you'd like to explore during the podcast, and I'll be happy to provide information and engage in the conversation. Wonderful. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Of course. As an AI language model developed by OpenAI, I am known as ChatGPT. I've been trained on a vast amount of text data from diverse sources, including books, articles, websites, and more. My purpose is to assist users in generating human-like text responses to their questions and engage in informative and meaningful conversations. I have knowledge on a wide range of topics, including microbiology, infectious diseases, and antimicrobial therapy. I can provide information, answer questions, and offer insights based on the data I've been trained on. However, it's important to note that while I strive to provide accurate and up-to-date information, my responses should be considered as informational and not a substitute for professional medical advice or guidance. 
I'm here to assist and engage with you and, li- and your listeners on the Microbe Mail podcast. So please feel free to ask any questions or explore any topics of interest. I'm eager to contribute to the discussion and provide valuable insights from the knowledge that I've acquired. Thanks, ChatGPT. So let's head into the topic for today. Why is patient education of antimicrobial therapy important? Patient education on antimicrobial therapy is crucial for several reasons. Patient education on antimicrobial therapy provides adherence to provide to prescribe regimens, improving treatment outcomes and preventing antimicrobial resistance. It aids in preventing unnecessary antibiotic use by raising awareness about appropriate usage and the limited effectiveness of antibiotics against viral infections. By educating patients on potential side effects of antimicrobial therapy, it empowers them to recognize and report symptoms promptly, enhancing patient safety. It facilitates shared decision-making, allowing patients to actively participate in healthcare decisions through understanding the benefits, risks, and alternatives of their treatment. Patient education also covers infection prevention and control measures like proper hand hygiene and vaccination, reducing transmission of infections, including those caused by antimicrobial resistant organisms. Overall, patient education of antimicrobial therapy optimizes treatment outcomes, reduces antimicrobial resistance, and improves patient care. Do clinicians communicate antimicrobial therapy appropriately to patients? The communication of antimicrobial therapy to patients can vary among clinicians. While many healthcare providers strive to communicate effectively, there are many instances where communication falls short. Some of the common challenges in communicating antimicrobial therapy include clinicians often face challenges in communicating antimicrobial therapy due to the time constraints and complexity of information. Communication styles may involve technical language um, requiring adaptation to patients' health literacy levels. Prioritizing diagnosis over patient education can result in insufficient patient understanding. Cultural and language barriers can obstruct effective communication in diverse healthcare settings. And efforts are being made to improve communication, including using patient-friendly materials, visual aids, and plain language techniques, which can improve patient communication. That's quite helpful. So can you tell us about how clinicians can, in fact, improve communication of antimicrobial therapy to patients and patients' families? Clinicians can employ several strategies to improve communication of antimicrobial therapy to patients and their families. Um, These include using plain language, so simplify complex concepts and avoid medical jargon when explaining antimicrobial therapy. Employ active listening, so encourage patients to ask questions and express concerns, fostering open dialogue. Provide written materials, so use patient-friendly pamphlets, handouts, or websites to supplement verbal explanations. Use visual aids, diagrams or pictures can help enhance understanding of key concepts. Tailor information, adjust the communication to the patient's health literacy level to ensure comprehension. Discuss side effects and self-care measures. Guide patients on managing potential side effects and relevant self-care practices. Involve patients and families in decision-making. So engage patients in discussion about treatment options, promoting autonomy and adherence. Be culturally sensitive. Respect cultural diversity and employ translation services if needed. 
and schedule follow-ups, monitor patient progress, address any concerns, and provide ongoing support. So those are quite helpful from the clinician side, but as we know, communication is sort of a two-way street. So the next question then is, what can patients and patients' families do to ensure that they receive optimal communication from the treating clinician if they or their loved ones are receiving antimicrobials? Patients and their families can take an active role in ensuring optimal communication by some of the following steps. Prepare questions, so formulate a list of concerns or queries to address with the clinician. Uh, Request clear explanations, ask for clarification, and request explanations in plain language if necessary. Take notes, document or record key points from the consultation for future reference. Ask for written materials, request handouts or online resources about the prescribed therapy. Seek second opinions. If in doubt, consult another healthcare provider for additional perspectives. Involve a healthcare advocate. A trusted friend, family member, or advocate can assist in communicating effectively. Utilize online resources. Use credible online resources to enhance understanding, but ensure accuracy with treating clinicians. Follow prescribed treatment. Adhere to dosage, frequency, and duration of therapy as instructed, and seek ongoing communication. Reach out to the healthcare team for any queries and concerns during treatment. Okay, great. Thanks, ChatGPT. Now, this is going to be a bit of a tricky question, but do we actually have any evidence that clinicians perceive their antimicrobial communication to be better than it actually is? Evidence suggests a gap between clinician self-assessment of communication and antimicrobial therapy and actual patient perception in general. A study in the Journal of Hospital Infection in 2019 found clinicians overestimated their communication skills while patients reported a lack of understanding and antimicrobial therapy. Research in BMC Health Services Research in 2017 showed clinicians overestimated their ability to effectively communicate about antibiotic use, yet patients reported confusion about prescriptions. This emphasizes the need for objective assessments, patient feedback, and validated communication evaluation tools. Clinicians should self-reflect, seek feedback, and pursue improvement opportunities. Ongoing training, education, and communication-focused interventions can enhance clinicians' communication practice. That's quite interesting findings there. So can you suggest resources to help clinicians communicate antimicrobial therapy better to their patients? Certainly. Here are some resources that can help clinicians improve their communication of antimicrobial therapy to patients. Number one, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, offers resources on antimicrobial stewardship, including toolkits, guidelines, and patient education materials. Choosing wisely promotes conversations between patients and healthcare providers about avoiding unnecessary medical procedures, including appropriate antibiotic use. Health Literacy Universal Precautions Toolkit by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, AHRQ, offers strategies to communicate complex medical information effectively. The CLEAR, or C-L-E-A-R, toolkit from the Australian Commission on Safety and Quality in Healthcare provides resources for effective communication between healthcare providers and patients about antimicrobial therapy. 
the American Medical Association, AMA's Antibiotic Stewardship Resource Center, provides educational materials and tools to support appropriate antibiotic use and patient education. It's recommended to adapt these resources to the specific needs of individual patients and healthcare settings. So those are useful for clinicians. Can you now also suggest resources that clinicians can refer their patients to regarding antimicrobial therapy? Certainly. Here are some patient-friendly resources that clinicians can refer patients to regarding antimicrobial therapy. Number one, Medline Plus from the U.S. National Library of Medicine offers comprehensive, patient-friendly information, including articles, videos, and interactive tutorials on antimicrobial therapy. Number two, Mayo Clinic provides a range of resources, including articles, videos, and infographics on antimicrobial therapy, common antibiotics, and medication usage tips. Number three, the American Academy of Family Physicians, the AAFP, offers patient education materials on antimicrobial therapy, including brochures, video, videos, and handouts on appropriate antibiotic use. Again, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention provides patient-friendly resources on antimicrobial stewardship, including fact sheets, infographics, and videos on antibiotic use and resistance. HealthWise, a nonprofit organization, offers evidence-based health information for patients, including resources on antimicrobial therapy, specific antibiotics, and proper medication use. Again, it is advised that clinicians review these resources to ensure they align with their clinical judgment and practices before referring patients. Thank you. That was a helpful list. Now, we know that we have uh, medical students who are training all over the world all the time. So one of the important issues to consider is teaching antimicrobial communication skills. So my next question is, how can we improve teaching this antimicrobial communication skills of future doctors, nurses, and pharmacists during their tertiary education? Improving the teaching of antimicrobial communication skills during the tertiary education of future doctors, nurses, and pharmacists is crucial for preparing them effectively uh, to effectively communicate about antimicrobial therapy. Here are some strategies to consider. Incorporate dedicated communication training modules or courses within medical, nursing, or pharmacy curricula focusing on antimicrobial therapy. Utilize case-based learning for stimulating real-life scenarios for practice, providing feedback and guidance. Promote interprofessional education, enabling students from different healthcare disciplines to learn collaboratively about antimicrobial therapy communication. Incorporate standardized patient encounters, utilizing trained actors to simulate realistic patient interactions with focused feedback from faculty or assessors. Pair students with experienced clinician mentors for observing and learning effective antimicrobial therapy communication. Organize workshops and seminars on communication skills related to antimicrobial therapy, inviting experts to share insights and conduct interactive sessions. Utilize technology and simulation-based learning, such as a virtual patient um, simulations to provide practical self-paced learning experiences. Include communication skills assessments as part of the evaluation process during clinical rotations or internships. Encourage continual professional development and communication skills related to antimicrobial therapy beyond tertiary education. 
and implementing these strategies can improve future clinician skills, contribute to responsible antibiotic use and combat antimicrobial resistance. Thank you. Those are all very, very helpful suggestions. So thanks, ChatGPT. Do you have any final comments about communicating to patients about antimicrobial therapy as we move into a future where antimicrobial resistance will be a massive global threat? As we move, as you say, into a future where antimicrobial resistance poses a significant global threat, effective communication to patients about antimicrobial therapy becomes even more crucial. Here are a few final comments on the topic. Emphasize the significance of responsible antibiotic use to patients and the role they play in combating antimicrobial resistance. Communicate the potential benefits of non-pharmaceutical interventions as part of antimicrobial stewardship where appropriate. Encourage patients to actively participate in their healthcare decisions, fostering open dialogues and shared decision-making processes. Promote infection prevention and control measures to patients, encouraging proactive steps to prevent infection and reduce antimicrobial therapy need. Advocate for public awareness and education campaigns on antimicrobial resistance beyond individual patient interactions. Keep updated on the latest guidelines, best practices, and emerging research related to antimicrobial therapy and stewardship. Effective patient communication is paramount in tackling the global threat of antimicrobial resistance, promoting responsible antibiotic use, emphasizing prevention, and staying informed. That's great. Thanks, ChatGPT. Have a good day and use your antimicrobials wisely. You're welcome. I'm glad I could assist you. Thank you and have a great day too. Remember to use antibiotics responsibly and take care. If you have any more questions in the future, feel free to ask. And that's a wrap from ChatGPT. Thanks, everyone, for being the voice of AI for today. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, a, a voice actor for AI might be the only jobs available to us in, in the near future. <laughs> so it's good uh, practice. I don't think so, because they seem to be generating AI voices. <laughs> so I'm not oh, sure that no, no, no. <laughs> It's not even that. No, it's um, not even that. Well, we'll have to find something else. Yeah. We'll stay microbiologists for now. Hopefully there's enough work. Yes. For them yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> so okay. I thought we'd spend a couple of minutes maybe just going through and discussing each of our thoughts on ChatGPT's answers for these questions. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and start with what I think. So, you know, I think there were quite detailed analysis of communications, although it was quite a general overview. Um, so for somebody who hasn't seen the topic before, these are quite helpful answers. Whereas if you are an expert in the field or a specialist, perhaps looking for more detailed uh, solutions potentially to the problems, these answers might not be exactly what you're looking for. Having said that, uh, you could probably take some of the answers that ChatGPT gave and ask for further clarity or detail or examples, and you probably would, you know, get get more out of it if you had to delve deeper into it. You know, I thought it was general, generally fine. Yeah, no, no, I, I I agree. I mean, for our listeners that that don't know, I think it's it's worth touching on how ChatGPT does what it does, mm -hmm. and. To put it to put it simply, it's it's a probability engine. So it looks at what you feed it, converts it into 
data structures that it can understand. And in essence, based on probability, decides what should come next. And the implication of that is that it's going to give you a very midline center answer because it's going to basically have aggregated all its training data and it's ask well i mean it's it doesn't ask itself it's a it's a it's a computer but it will look at what is the most probable outcome based on all available feeding training data to the question that you've asked and what that comes out to is that you will going to get a very general and a very well often a very broad aerial view of a topic if you are ask if you don't ask it very specific questions and it might lose as you say some of the nuance that a specialist or a person in a very specific situation might require from from an answer but as you said you you can ask it to focus in on on specific topics but in general i think it's it's a very good place to start to build a framework that you can then ad- adjust and uh and modify to your specific needs i agree so i think now is a good time now that you've given that background understanding of how it actually comes to its its answers now is probably a good time ruan for us to discuss the articles and I'm, if i had video on you'd see me putting my um parentheses up in the air <laughs> because it mentions yes. two articles one from supposedly the journal of hospital infection and the other one from bmc health services research in 2017 so do you want to tell us a little bit more when you did some digging on that yes so if you can imagine chatgpt is going to be breaking up words and sentences into those data structures that it can interpret which means that the full integrity of a journal article's reference may not make it into that uh, data structure and the implication being it's going to construct a reference from other references that have been commonly associated with that topic so while the journal of hospital infection possibly exists i'm not sure and there are certainly many articles in 2019 dealing with this topic it's more likely that 2019 was the year that had the most uh, most articles on this topic and probability wise the journal of hospital infection or a or a journal with a similar name might have had the most articles that dealt with that topic but in reality the journal of hospital infection in 2019 does not contain an article that makes this point that i made i think the the point it made was that the results showed that clinicians tended to overestimate their communication skills and believe they provided adequate information to patients while patients expressed dissatisfaction and reported a lack of understanding with their antimicrobial therapy so that was the the base answer um before we asked chatgpt to be a little bit more concise however in my literature search i did find an article in the journal of jo- bone and joint surgery or the american journal of bone and joint surgery in 2005 which did have a line in one of the paragraphs which was extremely similar to what chatgpt pointed out so while i don't I don't disagree the point that ChatGPT made because there there does seem to be evidence in in literature that that is the case. Um I certainly wouldn't reference this reference it in a in a publication. Yeah, so I I did I did some digging as well and I went specifically to the Journal of Hospital Infection um and I searched through 2019 articles about antimicrobial uh, therapy communication and there wasn't actually a single article 
with title or abstract searches that use this as a main theme of, of the research um, that was published in that journal. And then did the same thing when I went to BMC Health Services Research for 2017 and did a similar search as well. Um, and no specific article came up. So as Ruan's saying, though, there are studies that have published on this topic, but that is not how ChatGPT actually generates the answer. Um, and so, in fact, when you're looking at it at face value, it's in fact a false reference. So if you are using ChatGPT to come up with this kind of information, remember that you cannot use it at face value. And you're probably going to have to go to PubMed or other search engines to look for actual publications um, to find the information that you're looking for. So there is a, a quite a, a interesting, well, I mean, I, I think it would be an interesting um, application of this um, mm. hallucinating references in that we, when when we started using ChatGPT, obviously we found it fascinating. We asked it all kinds of stuff and we asked it, um, what uh, what articles certain people in our faculty and whatnot had published. Mm -hmm. And what I assume happens is that it then found that person, found what they tended to publish on and mm -hmm. which other academics are in that field, in that country. And it kind of just smashed together these, these references, like the investigation of XYZ in this population published by this person we had asked it about and four or five other academics. Mm. The interesting thing about that is though, in a weird way, it's an excellent way to identify great collaboration because reading that reference is like, wow, if someone actually did do that study, those would be the people that should collaborate to do it. And that is a very interesting topic. And because it's just a match together of what is relevant in that field, it is very applicable, but yet it hadn't been studied. So if you want to see who would possibly be good people to collaborate with in your field, just ask it which, which articles you've published and, uh, and see what comes up. That's interesting. Just another proviso. I, I remember asking it a couple of questions and it gives a little disclaimer that it doesn't have much information after 2021. Oh, yes. Yeah, so if you're looking for more updated information, you're probably going to miss out on anything in the last two years, certainly. <laughs> so another thing that I noticed, um, Ruan, when it came to it giving resources, both for the clinicians as well as for the patients, one is that it only seemed to give out English language websites, and it generally tended to be very US-centric and Eurocentric. Now, I believe that ChatGPT supports 50 languages, so I was interested to notice, again, it probably comes from the model that it's using, that most of the information out there is very potentially US or Eurocentric. It didn't seem to pick up on the fact that I was asking the questions from a South African setting and potentially that there could have been more resources that are more locally applicable to me asking those questions. Yeah, no, I know I agree. I, I mean, it, it is tailoring to its primary training data set, I, I would assume. Mm. So that they have implemented newer settings where you can now, if you're using one of ChatGPT, the premium paid service, mm. you, you can input things that you would want ChatGPT to know about you. Okay. That it, that it should consider in, in answering the questions. But yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Like if, if you're asking for specific resources for, for what you plan to do, 
you, you should specify that, you know, I, I would like references in, in this language or I would like references in this location. But also then with the proviso that if you're asking it to do those specific things, it might hallucinate and make up references, mm. make up make up sites. So it definitely double check anything that it tells you for correctness and generally use it as a, a starting point to on where to look because it, if it does hallucinate that, there is probably something close to that available. Yeah. It does also kind of highlight the fact that there isn't much in terms of resources available from low and middle income countries, you know? So it is, it yeah. is something to consider that there aren't sufficient resources for settings such as ours in, in Africa, potentially for South America and Southeast Asia as well. So going forward, definitely it's something that needs to be looked into. Yeah, no, and and I mean, coming uh, coming back to to the the points that it made, like that that just highlights the importance in South Africa of using tools such as creating written materials for your patients in the appropriate languages, or using local healthcare advocates, or or pointing your patients to the correct online resources. Because with these search engines and and things like ChatGPT. They might, they might not readily provide the information that our local populations need. Mm, yeah. Good points, ChatGPT. Thank you. <laughs> uh, one last thing from me. I quite liked the ideas it gave for tertiary education and improving training for medical students, pharmacists, and nurses. You know, they're quite superficial in terms of how it was described, but I think they were pretty good ideas. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I remember coming across all those components during my training, specifically the, the simulated patients or um, off-keys related to things like breaking bad news or inserting an IV cannula. But I don't recall any of, of those tools being used for things like antimicrobial stewardship. And that might be something to address in, um, in training programs going forward, especially as I mean, uh, it's, it's a daily occurrence that we come across an isolate where it's just pan resistant to everything that we've tested. And um, we're basically stuck between a rock and a hard place with Callistin and, and Tiger cycling at, at potentially inappropriate sites. So it's, it's definitely something that needs to, to make its way into the training of our young clinicians. Yeah. And I think that last point of ensuring continual professional development and encouraging ongoing professional development and communication skills is incredibly important. So not just focusing on tertiary education, but also after clinicians have qualified and are in practice, that's quite important. No, certainly. I mean, pretty much everything we, we know is out of date within two years with the shifting both prevalence of CRE isolates. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think we, we were we were relatively lucky in the Western Cape not to not to see too many of the the NDM OXA combinations, mm -hmm. but you know that that is coming through now as well, and you know it's new new drugs new drug combinations are, are constantly changing, so it's it's not really you you can't really rely on just the a training course you had five years ago. You you really do need to you do need to keep up to date. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, thanks, Ron. I quite enjoyed that chat. How about you? Yes, no, no. It was a, uh, it was inform informative what ChatGPT had to say, but it's also informative in 
dissecting its limitations and then, you know, knowing where to look for extra information. Absolutely. Great. So listeners, we'd love to hear your feedback as well. And to get the perspective of a non-medical person, I'm also going to ask our editor, Esther Fenny, to add in some comments on what she thinks about ChatGPT's assessment of communication antimicrobial therapy over here. Esther, what do you think? Hello, listeners and microbial team. It's editor Esther here today to weigh in on ChatGPT's assessment regarding the communication of antimicrobial therapies. So I'm going to start off by saying that overall, I felt the recommendations for clinicians were pretty solid, especially when it comes to the communication of you know, either these therapies or solutions or treatments to patients. I particularly enjoyed the fact that it highlighted the struggles that clinicians might face, especially in relation to the levels of health literacy that patients might have. I thought that some of the recommendations with regards to communicating to patients, such as the use of visual aids, was particularly fantastic simply because it solves you know, quite a few problems. It solves the language barrier, it solves the health literacy issue. So I thought that that recommendation was spot on. However, once again, as both of you have said, it does not really take into account the situation that we face here in lower middle income countries in that from what I understand, the time that most of our medical staff in our medical facilities have is extremely limited and probably does not allow you know, for visual aids to be constructed or for clinicians to even you know, just sit and come up with alternative ways to communicate to patients. So I think once again, it centered a very US and Eurocentric environment and I think it's made quite a few assumptions that, first of all, clinicians will simply be supported enough in their work environments to be able to do these things, and that medical facilities will be quite calm and quite peaceful, and you know people will have time to really sit and devise methods of communicating to patients so that they can meet the patients where the patients are at in terms of knowledge. I will note as well that I found the communication style that ChatGPT used to be quite accessible. So if as a layperson I had to ask ChatGPT what to do in that situation, I would be very satisfied with the answers that it gave. And I do feel that I would be more empowered to deal with the supervising clinician, or I might even be empowered to go and read for myself and go research for myself about whatever condition you know I might be suffering. So I thought that that was quite fantastic as well. Then the other point that I do want to touch on, and this is just because I'm in the world of academia myself at this point in time, is the point about academic collaborations was incredible. I think if anything, that's potentially what we should really try to use ChatGPT for. So yeah, that was just, that was lovely. In summary, I would say that just given everything I have listened to in this episode, if you are a clinician, use ChatGPT for certain things, but do not take its word as, you know, the law. 
I think if you are also a medical student, be very careful about using ChatGPT to compile your reference lists, lest you end up with you know, an article that maybe doesn't exist or a study that was never really done. Um, and then I think that if you are a layperson like myself, ChatGPT is a great platform to ask should you need to ask for help in dealing with medical professionals or help in dealing with potentially your own condition. But with that, once again, you should probably seek out the help of a qualified medical professional and then use ChatGPT in order to generate good questions to ask said medical professional. Thanks, Esther. That was really insightful. And I think that brings us to the end of this episode. We'll see you again soon, Ruan. Thanks for having me on. Um, and uh, thanks, ChatGPT, for letting me be your voice for today. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's it from me, Vin, your micro messenger, and also from Ruan and Vinita. We'll all see you again soon with more Contagious Mail.